Ehiya Lumaddin by Imam Ghazali Volume 3 Chapter 4, Part 2 The Harms of the Tongue Number 15, Backbiting Know, oh dear readers, that there are many numerous warnings in the Sharia regarding backbiting. Many people are accustomed to backbiting and very few people are free from this. God says, don't backbite one another. Do you like to eat the flesh of his dead brother? Rather, you dislike it. 49.12 The Prophet said, Wealth, life and honor of every Muslim are unlawful for another Muslim. God joins honor with wealth and life. The Prophet said, Be aware of backbiting as it is more heinous crime than zina, fornication. If a man commits fornication and makes repentance, God may accept his repentance, but the repentance of backbiting is not accepted till the backbited man pardons the person. The Prophet said, Don't hate one another, don't envy one another, don't sell over the sale to another, don't dispute with one another, and don't backbite one another. The servants of God are brethren to one another. The Prophet said, In the night in which I was taken to heaven, I passed by a prey of men who were scratching the flesh out of their faces with the ends of their nails. I asked, O Jibrail, who are they? He said, They are those who used to roam with slander of the people and ruin their honor. Suleiman bin Jabir said, I came to the Prophet and asked him, Teach me such a thing which will benefit me. He said, Don't neglect the good deed even though it is small. Even though it is small to pour water to the bucket of another from your bucket, even though it is so small so as to meet with your brother with a good news, and even though it is to backbite one after he has gone from you. Barra bin Azeb said, One day the Prophet gave us sermon. Even the freed male and female slaves heard it from their houses. He said, O people, don't backbite the Muslims, those who have brought faith by tongue but not by heart. Don't inquire into secret things because God will follow the secrets of a Muslim who inquires into the secrets of his brother Muslim. God dishonors one in his own house in which whose secrets God inquires. Jesus Christ got revelation. He who dies after repentance for his backbiting will be the last of all people to enter paradise. He who dies without such a repentance will be the first to enter hellfire. Anas bin Malik said, Don't break your fast before I order you. All the companions fasted. When the night came, a man came there and said, O messenger of God, I have fasted. Now order me to break it. Thus one by one came to the Prophet, and the Prophet ordered them to break the fast. Then a man came and said, O Messenger of God, two women in my family fasted, but they are not going to come to you out of shame. Order them to break it. The Prophet turned to him, his look from him, and he again asked him the same question. At this time he said, Have they fasted when they ate the flesh of men at daytime? Tell them that if they have fasted, they should vomit it. Then they vomited it, and suddenly a condensed clot of blood fell from their bellies. 
The Prophet said, By one in whose hand is there my life, if a drop of blood would have remained in their belly, hellfire would have devoured them. Anas bin Malik reported that the Prophet once mentioned about interest and characterized it as a great sin and said, One dirham interest is more heinous to God than thirty-six fornications, but the greatest interest is to destroy the honor of a Muslim. Jabir said, I was in a journey with the Prophet. He said while passing by two graves, These two people are punished not for any great sin, one is punished for backbiting, another is punished that he was not accustomed to cleaning after passing the call of nature. Then he took a fresh palm branch, divided it into two, and fixed it on each grave and said, So long as this branch does not become dry and remain fresh, punishment will be light on them. The Prophet once asked Maaz to be killed by stoning for the crime of fornication. One man present said to the other, Look, Mars is dying like a dog. The Prophet then passed by the dead body with the two men and said to them, Eat the meat of this dead animal. They said, O Messenger of God, how can we eat the meat of a dead animal? He said, The rotten meat of your brother which you have eaten is more rotten and stenching than this flesh. Abu Huraira said, he who eats in this world, the flesh of his brother, will eat that flesh in the next world. He will be said, Eat this flesh when dead, as you have eaten this flesh when you were alive. Then he will eat it, chew it, and swallow it. Muzahid explained some words in verse 104. Muhadzif means defamers amongst the men. Lumajat means eaters of human flesh, that is, the backbiters. Katada said, There are three kinds of punished, three kinds of punishment of the grave. Number one, the first kind of punishment is meted out for backbiting. The second kind of punishment is for taking the word of one to the ears of another. And the third kind of punishment is for breaking the rules of the call of nature. Hassan al-Basri said, By God, the effect of backbiting in the religion of Islam is the spreading of the boils of smallpox in the body. A wise man said, We saw former sages, they did not think that fast and prayer alone are divine services, but they considered not to backbite also a divine service. Ibn Abbas said, When you wish to tell people about the faults of your companion, you will fast Tell them your own faults. Mal Malik bin Dinar said, One day Jesus Christ was passing by his companions, with his companions by a dead dog. Then the disciples said, What a stenchy smell of this dead dog. Jesus Christ said, How fine is the line of his teeth. By this he deprecated to blame the dog, did not want to blame the dog, and made them understand that there is nothing ugly in the creation of God. Meaning of backbiting and its limits. Backbiting means to say anything to another about your brother in his absence, which he does not like. This refers to physique, pedigree, dress, house, religion, behaviors, and conduct and character. If you say to another that he is a dwarf, he is long-statured, and it gives him pain, 
then it is backbiting. If you say that he is a sinner, that he is of low birth, that he is a weaver in his absence, it will be backbiting. If you say his conduct is not good, he is a miser, he is proud, he is a hypocrite, he is prone to anger, he is a coward, it will be backbiting. Mention was made of a woman to the prophet that she fasts and prays, but she gives trouble to her neighbor by her tongue. The prophet said this woman will go to hell. At another time it was mentioned to him that the woman is a miser. He said it is not good talk. Once the prophet asked, do you know what is backbiting? The companion said, God and his apostle know the best. He said, to say what your brother Muslim does not like is backbiting. He was asked, if what I say is in my brother, if it is the truth, he said, even if it is in him, it will yet be considered as backbiting. If it is not in him, then it will be slander. One, some companions said to the Prophet, he is an unfit person. The Prophet said, you have backbited your brother. The companion said, O Messenger of God, we have said what is in him. He said, the Prophet said, if what you say is not in him, it will be slander. Hassan al-Basri said, there are three kinds of bad discussions about another person. Number one, backbiting and slander and narration, which is false. There is mention of these guilts in the Quran. Backbiting is to say of a guilt which is in him. Slander is to say of a guilt which is not in him. False narration is to say what reaches you about another person. Backbiting by means other than the tongue. Know, dear readers, that backbiting can be done not only by the tongue, but also by signs, gestures, movements of the body and writings. Every kind of backbiting is haram. It is unlawful. Aisha said, To me a woman came. When she went away, I hinted with my hand to the Prophet that she is a dwarf. The Prophet said, You have backbited her. Pen is like a tongue and backbiting can be done by writing by the pen. If a writer criticizes a particular man by writing, it will be backbiting him. It can be committed with the reference of a dead person as well. When any action of a man was disliking the Prophet, he did not particularize that person, but said it in a general way, what will be the condition of the people who do such and such acts? The Prophet said, oh, the hearer of backbiting is included within the backbiters. If the hearer protest by his tongue, he will be removed from the sin. He will be exempted from its sin. If he does not do it, he will think of it badly in his mind. If he can shift from that place or change the topic, he will be exempted. The Prophet said, If a believer is dishonored before, another, before any other person who does not help him in spite of his ability to do so, God will dishonor that person on the day of judgment before all the creations of God. He also said, He who protects the honor of a Muslim in his absence it becomes the duty of God to protect his honor on the day of judgment. The Prophet said, If a man saves the honor of his brother Muslim in his absence, it becomes the duty of God to save him from hellfire. The Causes of Backbiting 
The causes of backbiting are many. We should narrate 11 causes out of them. 8 causes are applicable to all people and 3 causes are applicable to religious and special people. The first cause is anger. If there is a cause of anger in anybody, a man is engaged in saying about his guilt and there arises in his mind hatred for that person. It is natural if he has got no religious connection with him. Sometimes he entertains hatred in his mind without mentioning it expressly. So anger stands as the cause of backbiting. The second cause is to is for pleasing the minds of his friends and his companions. The third cause is to shake off one's own guilt by backbiting other people. The fourth cause is to get oneself free from the guilt by attributing it to other people, saying, I would have not done it if but it was for others. The fifth cause is to express the glory and praise for oneself, thereby making another a fool. He says, he is a fool and powerless. The sixth cause is hatred towards another. The seventh cause is jests and ridicules. And the eighth cause is to hold another in contempt. The causes relating to religious men. The three causes of backbiting in relation to religious men are very subtle and very difficult and the devil paints them as good works. The first cause is when the people see some faults in the religious men, they say that a particular religious man has got all qualities but he has got one fault. If they express that fault, it will be backbiting. The second cause is sympathy sympathy for the person backbited by the saying. The affair of that unfortunate man has caused my anxiety. If he mentions his name, he will be backbiting him. The third cause is to express anger for God's sake on anybody mentioning his name. If his name is not mentioned, it will not be backbiting him. Medicine, which is required to restrain the tongue from backbiting. Know, oh dear readers, that the medicine of backbiting is knowledge, action or a mixture of knowledge and action. The medicine of a disease is its opposite. There are two kinds of medicines of backbiting, general medicine and special medicine. The general medicine is that backbiter should have, his, should have this knowledge that in case of backbiting, he will fall in the wrath of God and that his virtues will be lost on the day of judgment. For this cause, all of his virtues will go to the backbited person. Backbiting has been likened to eating a dead animal. The prophet said backbiting consumes the virtues of a man sooner than the fire consuming dry wood. One day, a man said to Hassan al-Basri, I heard that you have backbited me. He said, you have not acquired such a rank that I will give you all my virtues. The prophet said he is blessed who cannot see the faults of others because he remains busy with his own faults. A man said to a wise man, O man of ugly face, he said in reply, I would have made it unlawful if it were my if it were in my hands. The special medicine of backbiting are as follows. In order to apply these medicine, the root cause of backbiting is to be searched. There are eight causes as described above, and other causes shall be cut off. 
Anger is the cause which should be brought under control. If you are determined to take revenge on a person out of anger, know that God will take revenge on you out of anger for your backbiting as he has prohibited you from doing this. The prophet said, Hell has got a door. He who causes the anger of God by committing sins will enter hell through that door and nobody else. The prophet said, The tongue of one who fears God comes under control and his anger is also brought under control. He also said, If a man appeases anger, though he has got the right to express it, God will call him on the day of judgment before all of his creatures and say, Take whichever whore you like. God said if one of the in one of the earlier scriptures, O son of Adam, remember me at a time of your wrath. I will remember you at the time of my wrath. That is anger. In other words, I will not destroy you along with the others who will be destroyed. The second cause of backbiting is to support the opinion of friends. Its medicine is to oppose the opinion of friends in the matter of backbiting a man. You should know that if you incur the displeasure of God by pleasing your friends, God will be enraged with you. So, how can you give up God for pleasing your friends? The third cause is to show one's piety by backbiting another person. The medicine is as described above. You should know that in that case, God's wrath will fall on you and that you are courting destruction in the next world, absolving yourself from guilt in this world. You should also know that you are losing all virtues by backbiting. The fourth cause of backbiting is to consider oneself pure and to disclose one's own prestige and pride. The medicine of this is to know that your glory and your dignity may vanish and that people may look down upon you. The fifth cause is envy. Its medicine is as follows. You should know that if you envy anybody for his wealth and honor in this world, you will be burned by the fire of envy in this world in addition to being burnt in hellfire. You are taken thereby the punishment of hell and be are bereft of riches and honor in this world. You should know that his sins will fall on you and your virtues will go to him. The sixth cause is ridicule. You should know that you have ridiculed a man in presence of some people and that you will be ridiculed before all creatures of God in the next world. The seventh cause is to express sympathy for the sin of another and thereby backbiting him. The eighth reason is to express astonishment at the conduct of another. It is mockery which is an act of sin. Backbiting by the mind. Know, dear readers, that to backbite another by the mind is haram, like backbiting by the tongue. This means an evil idea or thought about any person. What suddenly arises in the mind is pardonable. God says, O oh, those who believe, if a transgressor comes to you with news, ascertain it, its truth, lest you do injury to a people out of ignorance and then be repentant for what you have done. 49.6 So to support the devil is unlawful. The prophet said, God has made the unlawful the life and property of 
a Muslim and to entertain evil thoughts about him. So evil thought is unlawful. It leads to the entry into his secrets, which is also unlawful. God says don't inquire about the secrets. 49.14 In what cases backbiting is allowed? The following six causes make backbiting lawful. Number one, to narrate the faults of another in a trial. If a man complains against another before a judge regarding the latter's oppression, breach of trust or backbiting or any other fault, then it is lawful for him to narrate it before the judge. If he is really not oppressed or tortured, he will be considered as a backbiter and consequently a sinner. The Prophet said, He who has got the right to speak should speak. He said, To make delay on part of a rich man for the payment of dues is oppression. He said, If debt is not paid, it is lawful to punish a rich man and mark his honor. Number two, to help to change one's evil deed. It is lawful to narrate the works of a sinner, to bring him to the right path and to change his evil deeds to such a person who is able to prevent that evil work by exercising power over him. Once news reached Khalif uh, Omar about Abu Jandal began drinking wine in Syria. He wrote to him, In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful, Hamim. This book was revealed from the Almighty, the Wise, etc. 41 of the Quran. When he read this letter, he repented for his evil act. Omar did not attribute the fault of backbiting to the one who gave him the news. Number three, to seek legal decision. It is lawful to narrate the deeds of another to seek legal decision or the law for remedy. For instance, one says, my father, my wife or my son treats me like this. What is the remedy for getting out of this? Hind, the daughter of Utbah, complained to the Prophet, Abu Sufyan is a miser. He does not bear necessary expenses of myself and my children. May I spend anything in his absence? The Prophet said, take such things that are necessary for you and your children. Hind mentioned about miserliness and oppression of Abu Sufyan, but he did not blackmail her for backbiting as she had the intention of taking decisions. To warn Muslims about one harmful things. It is lawful to narrate the faults of another to save a Muslim from his, from his injurious and harmful things. If you see a learned man to frequent an innovator and fear, his, fear this influence on him, it is lawful to disclose his innovation and sin, but not for any other cause. Similarly, if a man wants to engage a servant or to buy a slave, it is lawful to disclose his innovation and sin, but not for any other cause. Similarly, if a man wants to engage a servant or to buy a slave, it is lawful to disclose his bad habits of theft or any other crime. If a man is cited as a witness by an innocent man, he may disclose the faults of his enemy. The Prophet said, Do you consider bad to disclose the faults of a sinner? Disclose his faults so that the people may know him. Disclose the faults in him so that the people may take precautions.
An ancient sage said, there is no sin in disposing the guilt of three people. A tyrant ruler, a learned innovator, and a shameless evildoer. To call by an evil, well, to, call, to, be, to call by a well-known surname. There is no backbiting if a man is called by his well-known surname, such as lame man, a blind man. This is for identification and not for any other evil motive. To disclose bad deeds of an evildoer. To disclose the guilts of those who are accustomed to evil deeds openly is no sin, such as a male wearing a female dress, a drunkard, a fornicator, or an oppressor. The Prophet said there is no sin in backbiting a person who has shaken off the screen of shame from his face. Omar ibn al-Khattab said there is no honor for a great sinner, meaning that those who commit major sins openly. He who commits sin secretly should have his honor of his faults being kept secret. Hassan al-Basri said there is no fault in backbiting three people. Number one, who is a slave of passion. Number two, one, open and well-known transgressor. Number three, a tyrant ruler. There are two modes of expiation of a sin of backbiting. The backbiter will repent sincerely in his mind and be feel sorry for that. Number two, then he will seek pardon of the backbited person being humble. Hassan al-Basri said it is sufficient to seek forgiveness for the backbiting person. There is no necessary to seek his own pardon. He gives its support by the following hadith. To seek forgiveness for the one who has been backbited is expiation for backbiting. Sage Muzahid said, The expiation of eating rotten flesh of your brother is to praise him and to pray for his good. To me, it seems that that is not sufficient. That is, it seems to Imam Ghazali that it is not sufficient. One is to seek pardon from the backbited person in order to get himself absolved from the sin. The Prophet said, He who injures the honor or property of his brother Muslim shall seek pardon from him before the day of judgment comes. On that day, his virtues will be taken away from him. If he has got no virtues, the sins of the backbited person will be mixed up with the sins of this person and they will be increased. Aisha said to another of a woman, her border of cloth is long. It was considered as backbiting and for that she sought pardon from that lady. There is no alternative but to seek pardon if that person is alive. If he is absent or dead, he should seek forgiveness for him. God says, Take to pardon, enjoin good, and turn away from the illiterate. The Prophet said, What is the meaning of this pardon? O Jibrail, he said, God enjoins, pardon him who does wrong to you. Tie the connections of blood with one who severs it. Give him who deprives you. Hassan al-Basri said that a man said to him, A certain person backbited you. He sent him a bunch full of grapes and said, I heard that you have sent your virtues to me as a present. I send you in exchange this small present of dried grapes. I seek your pardon and I could not give its full exchange. Number 18. Cheating and Slander 
God says in verse 68, 11, A slanderer going about will culminates, hindering all good, transgressing beyond border, beyond bounds, etc. Sage ibn Mubarak said, Hamas means an illegitimate issue who does not keep words secret. That is an illegitimate child. This shows that he who does not keep words secret and roams about giving news to ears is like an illegitimate son. God says in the verse 104.1, Woe to every scandal mongerer and backbiter. The meaning of homazat is the one who roams with slander. God says, bearer of fuel or scandal mongerer. God says, they break, they broke trust with both, so they got no benefit from them from God. 66.10 This verse was revealed in connection with the wives of Prophet Luth and Noah. When any guest came to the Prophet of Luth, his wife gave this news to the people. Getting this news, they satisfied their lust with the guest. The wife of Noah said to the people, Noah is insane. The Prophet said, a slanderer will not enter paradise. There is in another hadith, scandal mongerer will not end up enter paradise. The Prophet said, To God, the dearest are those persons who are the best amongst you in conduct, whose minds are soft, who love and get love. Those are the worst to God amongst you who roam about with slander, who create disturbance among friends, and who roam about picking faults in religious men. The Prophet said, Shall I not inform you of the worst of you? The companion said, O Prophet of God, tell us that. The Prophet said, Those who walk, in, walk with slander, create disturbance amongst friends, mix falsehood with fools of pious men. The Prophet said, If a man gives hint to disgrace a Muslim unjustly, God will disgrace him in hell on the day of judgment. The Prophet said, If a man uses a word in order to disgrace an innocent man in the world, it becomes the duty of God to burn him in hell fire on the day of judgment. The Prophet said, He who bears witness against a Muslim, which is not true in his case, should inquire into his place in hell. The pious men said, For this slander, one third of the punishment will be meted out in the grave. The Prophet said, When God created paradise, he said to it, Talk with me. Paradise said, He who will enter me is fortunate. Almighty God said, By my glory and honor, eight classes of people will not find a place in you. Number one, a habitual drunkard. Number two, a lifelong fornicator. Number three, a slanderer, means someone who insults people. Number four, one who encourages his own wife and daughter to fornication. Number five, an oppressor. Number six, one who severs blood ties. Number seven, number one who swears in the name of God, I will do something, but he does not do it. One. Once there was a severe famine amongst the children of Israel. Moses then prayed many times for a shower of rain, but there was no rain. God then revealed to him, There is a slanderer amongst you. He always tells the faults of one to another. For that I will not accept your invocation. 
Moses said, O Lord, show me that person. I will now eject him from our party. He said, O Moses, I prohibited you to make slander on a person. Then all of them repented and there was a shower of rain. It has then it has been reported that a man crossed the path of 1400 miles in search of a wise, pious man and asked him seven questions. What is heavier than sky? What thing is more spacious than the earth? What thing is harder than stone? What thing is hotter than fire? What thing is colder than ice? What thing is richer than sea? What, who is more humiliated than an orphan? The wise man reportedly answered the questions in the following manner. Slander of an innocent man is heavier than sky. Truth is wider than the earth. The heart of an unbeliever is harder than that of a stone. Greed and hatred are hotter than fire. The heart of a man who does not remove the wants of relatives is colder than ice. A contented heart is richer than the sea. And a slanderer becomes more humiliated than an orphan when his action is disclosed. What is slander? Know, O oh dear readers, that the meaning of namima or slander is to take the faults of one of one to the ears of another. For instance, a certain man is speaking thus about you. The man to whom it is communicated and the man whose faults is communicated both dislike it. A third person also does not like it, though it is expressed by hints, gestures, writings or by other means. If benefit is done to a Muslim by disclosing it, there is no fault in it. For instance, if a man sees a thing of a man being stolen, he should bear witness. The hearer of this slander has got six duties to perform. Number one, he should not believe the slanderer as he is a transgressor and a sinner and his evidence is to be rejected. God says, O believers, if a transgressor comes to you with news, test its correctness, except you injure a people out of ignorance. 49.6 Number two, he should prevent him from making defamation, advise him and say to him that this is a great sin. God says, enjoin good and prohibit evil. He shall hate such person. Number three, he shall hate such person within the mind for the sake of God as he is hated by God. To hate one whom God hates is compulsory. Number four, he shall not entertain bad idea against his brother Muslim. As God says, give up most conjecture as some conjecture is sin. Number five, he shall not be busy in seeking the truth of what of that new. As God says, don't spy. Number six, he shall not discuss close his defamation and say, such a person told me such and such. It has been narrated that a person came to Khalif Umar bin Abdul Aziz and said something to him against a person. The Khalifa then said to him, if you desire, I will verify your statement. If you tell a lie, you are a great sinner according to this verse of God. If anybody comes to you with news, verify it. If you tell the truth, you are a slanderer according to this verse. Those who roam with slander. 68.11 If you dust her, I will pardon you. He said, O Amir al-Mukminin, that is the commander of the faithful, I want a pardon, I will never do it. 
Hassan al-Basri said, He who defames a man to you, defames you also to another. It appears from this that wrath should be shown to the defamer and he should not be believed. The Prophet said, He is worst whose harms the people fear. He also said, One who severs the tie of relationship will not enter paradise. He was questioned, Who is the severer of connection? He said, He who severs connection from the people and he who defames. A man one day defamed a man to Ali bin Abu Talib. Ali said to him, O brother, I shall inquire about you what you have said. We shall hate you if you tell the truth and punish you if you tell the lies and pardon you if you want it. The man said, O commander of the faithful, please pardon me. Muhammad bin Qab was once asked which conduct of a believer is harmful to him. He said, excessive talk, disclose of secrets and belief in everybody's words. Musa bin Zubair said, to believe in defamation is worse than defamation as defamation shows the way but belief in defamation gives permission. He who shows the path to a thing is not equal to one who admits it and gives permission. So be aware of slanderers and def defamers. Once a man sought permission of Khalif Suleiman to speak, permission was granted and the man said, O commander of the faithful, some men defamed you. They purchased your world in exchange of their religion and gained your pleasure in earning the displeasure of God. They fear you and matters of God and do not fear God in your matters. So don't trust them for the trust which God has given you and don't band over to them the thing which God has given you to protect as they will spread harm to a people and they will destroy you with the help of their relatives. Their aims are rebellion and slander. Their means are backbiting and defamation. You are responsible for their guilts and they are res not responsible for your guilts. Their world will not be good if they destroy your next world because the worst deception is that of a man who sells his next world in exchange of the world of another. Lukman advised his son, O oh dear son, I am giving you such admonition which if you stick to you will not be deprived of influence. Treat well with the near and the distant ones. Don't express your ignorance to people of honor and dishonor. Save your friends. Keep the ties of relationship with you with your relatives, save them from the deception of a slanderer and save yourself from one who wishes harm to you and to play deceit. When you part ways from your friend and they part from you, don't tell their evils and they shall not tell your evils. A pious man said the root of slander is falsehood, envy and hypocrisy. These three things are the root of disgrace. Hamad bin Salama said, a man purchased a slave. The seller said to the buyer, He has got no fault in him except one, which is double dealing. The buyer said, I am satisfied. Then he purchased him. After some days stay with his master, the slave said to his wife, Your husband does not love you and he wants to purchase a slave girl. I am telling you of a spell. When he sleeps, take some hair off his beard with your razor 
I shall prepare with them such a spell that he will love you. Then he went to the husband and said to him, Your wife does not love you and fell in love with another person. She may kill you if the opportunity arises. One day the master was asleep. His wife went with a razor to him to take some beards. When she was about to take them, he suddenly awoke and caught her with the razor and killed her. This news reached her relatives who came at once and killed him. Thus quarrels ensued between the triple of the husband and the tribe of the wife. Number 17. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is another evil of the tongue. This has got two enemies and introduced to each of them as friends and has and to hold one opinion with each of them. Ammar bin Yasir said that the Prophet had said, He who has got two tongues in this world will have two tongues in the next world. The Prophet said, You will see on the day of judgment the worst man near God with two faces. He will come to one party with one thing and to another party with another thing. In another narration, he will come with one face to one party and with another face to another party. Abu Huraira said, A man having two faces will not be enrolled as a faithful man to God. Malik bin Dinar said, I have read in the Torah, He who talks with his friend with two tongues and yet claims to be a trustee, God will destroy that tongue. The Prophet said, On the day of judgment, the worst men to God will be liars, the proud, those men who are have entertained hatred in the needs of their friends, when they met with his friends, they hated them. When they were called towards God and his prophet, they came late. And when they were called towards the devil, they came hurriedly. It had been narrated that when a companion of the prophet died, Hazrat Huzalfa did not say funeral prayers for him. Umar, bin, Umar ibn al-Khattab then said, he is one of the companions of the Prophet, but you have not said his funeral prayers. He said, O commander of the faithful, he is one of the hypocrites. Omar said, Can I ask you, am I included amongst them? He said, You are not a hypocrite. Nobody after you can be trusted. Number 18. Praise Another evil of the tongue is to praise. If in some cases praise is unlawful, there are six harms of praise, out of which four harms fall on the praiser and two harms fall on the hearer of the praise. Number one, falsehood is the first harm. In case of too much praise, recourse must be had to falsehood. Khatib bin Medan said, If a man praises a ruler or such a man as he has not got that quality in him, God will raise him in such a way that it will be difficult for him to talk to the people with the tongue. Number two, show off. The second harm at the time of praise is show off. As love is expressed by praise, but it may not be in the mind and he may not believe in what he is saying. Thus, he shows and it is hypocrisy. Number three, the praised man is praised without knowing whether he has the quality inside of him. It is reported that a certain man praised another before the Prophet. The Prophet then said to them, You have severed the neck of your brother. If he hears it, he will not get salvation. Then he said, If you are 
to praise a man, say, I know him. As such, God knows whether he is pure or pure or impure. I can't say in excess of what God knows of anybody. So it is a danger to say in excess of what God knows of anybody. So it is a danger to say that he is a pious man. He is a God-fearing man. He is a philanthropist. Once Omar ibn al-Khattab saw a man praising another. He asked the praiser, have you traveled with him? He said, no. Have you carried on business with him? He said, no. Are you his neighbor morning and evening? He said, no. He said, by God, I don't think that you know him. Number four, the praised man may be an oppressor or a great sinner. To praise him in such a circumstance is unlawful, the prophet said. When a great sinner is praised, God then becomes displeased. Hassan al-Basri said, he who wishes lifelong of an oppressor disobeys God in his world. The praised man gets twice his harm by the praise. It gives pride in him and he feels self-praise. Two things are ruinous. Hassan al-Basri said, one day Omar ibn al-Khattab was seated with a stick amongst the people. When Zarat bin Munzer came there, one of those present said, this man is the chief of Rabia tribe, Omar ibn al-Khattab, and those around him heard it. When he came near Omar, he was brandishing his stick over his head. At this, the man said, O commander of the faithful, what treatment is this? He said, Have you not heard what this man said about you? He said, Yes, I have heard it. Omar said, I fear that praise may grow inside you, a sense of pride. For that, I destroyed it by the showing of a strike by my stick. Number two, the second harm is that when a man praises another, the latter becomes pleased and finds solace and as such gives up self-improvement as he understands that he has reached the limit of progress. He who understands that he has got faults tries to improve his character. For this reason, the Prophet said, you have severed his neck. If he possesses it, he will not get salvation. The Prophet said, if you praise a man in his face, think that you are passing a sharp knife around his neck. The Prophet said, it is better to attack a man with sharp sword than to praise a man before his face. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, praise is like murder, as the murdered person is saved from the responsibility of actions. Praise grows idleness or self-praise and pride, both are destructive like murder. If the praiser and the praised are saved from their harms, then there is no fault in praise. For this reason, the Prophet praised his companions. He said about Abu Bakr, If the faith of Abu Bakr is measured with the faith of all of the people in this world, Abu Bakr's faith will be heavier. He said regarding Umar ibn al-Khattab, If I was not sent as a prophet, Umar would have been sent as a prophet. By this praise, he did not become proud. The Prophet said, I am the leader of children of Adam and there is no boast in it. In other words, I am not telling you it out of pride. When the people once were praising a dead man, the Prophet said, He is fit to receive praise. Muzahid said there are friends for 
the children of Adam from the angels. When any Muslim mentions about good works of another Muslims, the angels say, O son of Adam, keep your mystery of secrets secret. Be pleased with your affairs and praise God who has kept your hidden things secret. Duties of the praised man. The praised man must save himself from pride, self-praise and idleness. He will not be able to save himself from these evil unless he thinks about his ultimate end and the result of his actions. The praiser does not know what the praised man knows about himself. The praiser will surely not praise him if he knows of him what the praised man knows about himself. The prophet said, throw dust at the face of the praisers. Sage Sufyan bin Aina said, He who knows himself cannot be injured by praise. When a religious man was praised, he said, O oh God, this servant of yours has come to you with your hatred. I cite you as a witness over this hatred. Another religious man was praised and he said, O oh God, three people do not know me. Once Ali bin Abu Talib was praised and he said, O oh God, forgive me for what they say. Make me better than what they think about me. Once a man praised Omar ibn al-Khattab who said, You have ruined me. 19. Carelessness Another harm of the tongue is carelessness or inattention in words, especially when they are uttered in connection with religious affairs. The Prophet said, Let none amongst you what God wishes and what you wish rather say, what God wishes and then say what you wish. Ibn Abbas said, One man came to the Prophet and said in the midst of his talk, What God wishes and you wish. The Prophet said, Have you made me equal to God? Rather say, What Almighty God wishes. The Prophet said, God has prohibited you to take an oath by the name of your father. Let him take an oath in the name of God or else let him remain silent. Umar ibn al-Khattab said, Leave them, I do not take oath. The Prophet said, Let anybody amongst you, my servant, my maid servant, as you are all the servants of God and all your women are maid servants of God, rather say, My boy, my girl, my son, my daughter. The servants and the maid servants shall not say, My lord, rather they shall say, My chief. All are the servants of God and God is your lord. The Prophet said, Never call a great sinner my chief, because if he becomes your chief, you will incur the displeasure of God. The Prophet said, He who says, I am free from Islam, he becomes as what he has said. If he tells a lie, he will not be able to return to Islam safely. For this reason, the Prophet said, He who remains silent has got salvation. Number 20. Questions of ordinary men about God. Another evil of the tongue is the questions of ordinary men about God, God's attributes, God's words, and God's tongue. These attributes of God are of two kinds, uncreated and created. It is the duty of ordinary men to follow what is in the Quran about commands and prohibitions. To understand the Quran is difficult for many people. The Prophet said, Leave it to me, what I left for you, 
because your predecessors were destroyed because of their excessive questions and owing to acute differences with their prophets. Give up what I have prohibited you. Translate into actions as far as you can what I order you to do. Anasavin Malik said, The people once asked the prophet many questions to which he was enraged. He then got up on the pulpit and said, You are questioning me. But don't ask except what I have informed you. A man came to him and asked, Who is my father? He said, Your father is Huzepha. When two young men came and asked, O prophet of God, Who is a father? He said, Your father is one in whose name you are called. Another man got up and said, Shall I enter paradise or hell? He said, You will enter hell and not in paradise. When the people saw that the prophet was angry, they did not ask him further questions. Omar ibn al-Khattab then came to his side and said, We are pleased with God as our Lord, Islam as our religion, and Muhammad as our prophet. Omar said, Sit down, may God shower his blessings on you. What you have known is sufficient. The Prophet prohibited arguments and excessive questions. The Prophet said, Soon the people will put many questions. Even they will ask, God created the creatures, but who created God? When they will ask it, say that God is one, God is above wants, etc., as said in chapter Ikhlas. Then throw spit on your left side three times and seek refuge from the devil. Excessive questions were prohibited in the story of Musa and Khizr. So the questions of ordinary men about the subtle matters of religion are great objects of danger. Their discussions about the language of the Qur'an is like the condition of one, to whom the king writes a letter informing him many necessary things, but instead of paying attention to these things, he begins to lose time in seeing whether the paper of the letter is new or old, of which he will surely be punished. Similarly, ordinary men give up necessary things, but question about many unnecessary and subtle things, about God and His attributes. Jazakallah khair wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.